Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we have Eric Estep, who is joining us. Eric is running for state representative in which district? 37. 37, which is. Oh, the area. Westland. Westland, right? Westland Twalton. Westland Twalton. Yep. <laughs> that was, sorry, that was the, that was the, the one after 36, um, James. <laughs> <laughs> it's a they, number. They, That's <laughs> they redid all the district lines. So 36 is no longer the 36 that I ran in. But, um, anyway, Eric and I have an interesting history. We actually went to undergrad together back a million years ago at Corbin University. And so we were just talking before the podcast. Um, I remember a very different Eric than what is sitting with us here today. <laughs> so I won't go into too much more detail. But um, uh, Eric, why don't you take a couple minutes to uh, introduce yourself, who you are, and uh, what got you into politics? Sure. First off, my name is Eric, and that's spelled A-E-R-I-C. Everyone needs to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, childhood was in Southern Oregon. So Spent a lot of time on the Rogue River down in Grants Pass. Did high school there and then moved to Salem to go to Corbin. That's where my undergrad was uh, with James. And moved up to uh, Portland area to go to grad school. So I've been living in West Lynn for uh, almost nine years now. So my wife and I live in West Lynn. And we, we've been raising four boys now for a while. That's... Wow. It's a fun house. <laughs> it's a fun house. Now you have two more boys to raise on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, yeah, living, living in Westland now for nine years. Um, the full-time job is as a mechanical construction. I'm an account manager, and that means I sell furnaces or air conditioners or whatever and make sure that those projects go the way I said they would go when I sold them. So that's the... Good stuff. Yeah. Sales. Fun. Sales. Sales <laughs> yeah. and management. Sales and, and management. Yep. Yep. Cool, cool. So, what is um, what's HD thirty seven like? What is it about the district that compelled you to run? What is it about Rachel Prusak that felt you there, there could be better leadership and better representation of the individuals who live in the area? Mm. And what was it that made you say, uh, you know what, I think I'm that I'm that guy? Mm, that's good. Uh, so, the district is Westland Tualatin, uh, a suburb district for sure. Um, there's a lot of people care about their schools in the district. And, uh, I've been, like I said, living there for a while. So, uh, it's, it's the community I live in. It's the community I love, I care for. Um, those are, those are where my neighbors are. So the, really the driver was, I, I love Oregon. I love my community and too many people are leaving Oregon. Too many people are giving up on Oregon because it's not being cared for. And, the state needs uh, stewardship and leadership. It needs stewardship and government. And I'm running to be one of those stewards. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people who have been in leadership for a long time and it's not, things are not being done the way they should be done. Um, so let's jump up and, and try to help. 
That's I uh, honestly the the S word is uh, is I feel like very apt. Uh, definitely a, a good descriptor for for kind of what's needed. I I asked uh, a family member who is a Democrat. I said, you know, what do you think about the Democratic primary for governor coming up? Especially if Nick, we're going to find out. We're recording this Wednesday, the seventeenth, sixteenth. Yeah. So we're going to find out tomorrow morning if Nick Kristoff is going to be on the ballot. By the time mm-hmm. listeners you're listening to this, you will know. But I asked her, you know, if 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 there is no Nick because that was her first choice. Do you, are, are you team tina are you team tobias do you just not vote in the democratic primary and she said i want to vote for the the individual who is going to be able to get the most amount of work done while bringing the most amount of oregonians together Hmm. and she said uh, there's a lot of very you know left and far left individuals in in portland and in you know in offices in portland and then there's a lot of right and far right individual individuals in malier and harney counties and Mm -hmm. you know in the agriculture space you know things like that and she said i get that it's hard i get that it's it's a it's a big bridge that you're going to have to build but she said, I just, I, I, there's just so many people I feel like who are just really preaching to their own side and not focused on what the task at hand is or how to represent the people that you're claiming to try to represent. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was such a refreshing take on what the value of an elected official is and what you should really kind of have as your North Star. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you didn't just say it's like, I want to run because I, you know, I want more businesses to come to Oregon or I, you know, I want, you know, less sales tax, something like that. Uh, the, but the, you use the S word and I just, right. I appreciate that. Though we don't offer endorsements on this podcast. <laughs> so nobody could stir that. I don't know if you're being primaried by anybody or whatever, but that, that doesn't count as an endorsement. <laughs> Well, your district, so I don't know how the lines are drawn now, but before Prusak, it was held by Julie Parrish, mm-hmm. and prior to that was Scott Bruin. Mm-hmm. So there have been Republicans. Both friends of the pod. Rec- yeah, they've both been on the podcast. Uh, have we had Scott? Scott has not. Scott has, has not. not. We need to get him on, though. Where he's just, he's um, a personal friend, but Julie Parrish play, has been on the podcast. We play basketball with Scott. We play basketball with Yeah. So he's anyway. very good at basketball. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Like, gosh. Anyway, <laughs> a, un, unreasonably good for pickup basketball on Sunday yeah. mornings. <laughs> Getting it digressing slightly. Um, but this this is uh, this is a seat that has been held by Republicans mm-hmm. in the very recent past. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. The, you think this is is this a, a reasonable thing? I knew when I ran for thirty six, um, it was not reasonable. I, there, was, <laughs> there was not really an attempt. I mean, there was there was an attempt, Definitely but it was tell it all your was, donors uh, that, but. it was not. But um, so what what do you think, like demographic wise, how how this is going to play out? Yeah, I, I I do think it's reasonable. <laughs> um, other, otherwise, that's, that's the right answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. It takes it takes a lot of time to engage it, and um, like I said, there's four boys, uh, <laughs> four boys in my house. Um, but I do think it's reasonable. But I do think it requires someone uh, like a Julie Parrish who uh, exudes an independence. It's not just like you're ta- uh, Nick. You were talking about the different sides and um, being more extreme on either side. I think it takes someone that's going to be independent and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna engage these questions um, as they come and decide is this is this a good answer? Is this a bad answer? Not just what's the party line? Let's go that direction." Uh, and I think that's what was appealing to the people who've held the seat in the past um, from the Repu- the Republican side of the aisle. And I think I fit that bill as well. It's it's more of a okay. Let, let's steward. Let's not, not just the district, but the state well. And sometimes the answers to those questions may lean on one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle and being able to evaluate that every time rather than just, nope, got my talking points. Here we go. Um, so yeah, I think it's a doable thing. And I think I'm, I think I fit in the demographic that would make that appropriate. 
What was it, if I can ask, that you? So obviously you're you're running and you're a candidate now, and you're you know trying to make HD thirty seven, you know, make the world safe for democracy kind of a thing. What was it that drew you to politics in the first place? Was Mm. there you know was it like the George Bush presidential race? Was Mm. it like Vicatia here in Oregon? Was it a smaller, a more local matter? You know, a city councilor that you liked or something like that? What was the kind of the the initial spark that got you interested in in running for office in in being a public servant? Mm Yeah, it was. I was finishing up grad school in 2016, and oh, I better pay attention to the news. I better figure out what's going on. Um, so that was the first cycle. I was very invested, very involved, and out of that, it was. I want to go. I want to go love my city. I want to go love my neighbors. I can do that across the street in an individual basis, but I want to use my time, talent, treasures to um, invest. So I. I requested to be appointed to some city boards uh, in 2016. I was part of the library board. Um, I was then appointed to the library district advisory committee. That's at the county level. And just love serving. You, you show up in that room and just by nature of being there, there's influence. There's um, people are going, great, so, someone can serve. This is awesome. Um, so I've just really enjoyed that. I've since been on some, I'm, I'm on uh, economic development commission for the county and things like that. But it's just... Uh, I, I, I love my neighbors. I want to help my neighbors and I want to seek the welfare of the city. And I can do that by more than just walking across the street and meeting a neighbor. Um, things need to be guided. Things need to be uh, stewarded. We've used that word a couple times. And that that's where that kind of love and, and real realization that you, you said, uh, make the world <laughs> safe for democracy. Um, <laughs> That's the cool thing. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. That's the cool thing about democracy, though. If you show up, you can help. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's not a given everywhere. We know that. And it's just cool if you show up and you, and you help and realize, wow, something's happening. I I did something good. It, it gives you encouragement to keep doing more and see how, how helpful can I be? Let's not stop at the, at just the small thing. As somebody who primarily gets his news from Twitter and you just curate a list of individuals who are kind of in the know and that you you like seeing their takes on stuff, the the amount of, you know, armchair quarterbacking from, you know, folks who are just like 140 characters in a cell phone versus actually engaging in the public policy process. And Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Decisions are made by those who show up and Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, I want to run for president. I want to run for Senate. I want to run for governor. I want to run for Congress. Everybody has these lofty ambitions because it's the people that you see on TV every day. And, you know, the stuff that you read about in Oregonian or whatever, where, the truth is 50%, 80%, 90% of the decisions that affect uh, a person on a daily basis are made by Clackamas County Library Boards, or I right. sit on the Multnomah County Citizens Budget Advisory Committee, mm-hmm. and it's it's a room full of six people that's like pulling teeth to try to get people in there, but now all of a sudden it's like, here's our budget, here's what it is that we're looking to do, is this how we should have a priority? And yeah, if you, right. just, if you show up to something like that and just go, we, we talked before the podcast, you're working your way through Parks and Rec, if you just go full Leslie Nope and just dive into something <laughs> that <laughs> might not get a lot of attention or might not get a lot of right. ink in the newspaper or whatever, but it, it matters matters to a lot of individuals mm-hmm. and if you have the ability to make it better that's the that's the type of work that can can go on and get noticed right. and lead to you know some of those bigger things that you know everybody just watches tv and tries to talk about yeah my source of influence what i've tried to do with my time and energy is is with through the republican party and you know 
currently running for a nonpartisan seat and have had people tell me, you know, you should drop the Republican brands, just dr- change your registration to non-affiliated voters. And um, I've resisted that in for a, a major reason for that is being able to show up. You know, right. if if I drop my registration, I'm no longer invited to Washington County GOP meetings. I'm mm-hmm. no longer eligible to be a delegate to the Oregon Republican Party. You know, these are things where I feel like I've had a real measurable difference over the past you know, four or five years, and I'm not willing to give that seat at the table up quite so easily. So I appreciate just yeah. being able to. We um, were, I was playing basketball with Scott Brune two Sundays ago, and I actually fed him your line with attribution. I told him it was yours, hmm. but I, we had this conversation once. I probably I, stole it from someone else. <laughs> maybe you did. Who knows? Stole it from I, Scott. At least, yeah, it's, yeah, right, it's just working its way back around. But I, but your line, James, was, uh, I don't want to abandon the ship to the pirates. And mm. I, Eric, I don't know your position on Trump or January 6th or anything like that, but I, James and I have been pretty vocal as, you know, anti, Trump individual, that's kind of not our brand of what Republicanism is mm-hmm. or whatever. But we don't like the idea of, you know, a bunch of red hats showing up at party meetings and trying to outlaw yeah. gay marriage and trying to, you know, bring us back to the Stone Age on this, that, the other thing. And where, I mean, we call ourselves the rational Republican partly because we like alliteration, probably partly because <laughs> we like the idea of trying to move the party in a more sane sensible direction Mm -hmm. where we're focused on getting good outcomes and being good stewards of of our state and our community and you know doing so by getting businesses to show up and everything like that one of the one of the comments on that is it doesn't really matter what your stance is on abortion or gay marriage because that tends to be like the two hot button issues that everyone talks about within the republican party it doesn't matter because in the state of oregon neither of those things is changing like there is no sentiment at all to change either of those things. So, you know, my stance has been, hey, let's get on board and like try to make changes in other areas where we actually have some influence rather than these two things that, you know, I mean, if long time listeners of the podcast will know where I stand on these, but um, God bless you if you're a long time. Whether or not, like regardless of what your position is, we can't make any changes. Those of us on the right hand side of the aisle. So mm-hmm. Let's just move on and, and find something else and keep your keep your views to yourself. And nah, that's probably not a good way to say it, but sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. Well, well, and speaking about the uh, just the sentiment people have had with you, James, about, well, why don't you drop it? Or I've had people say, why don't you just join the, the Democrat Party or the Democratic Party? And one, I think we, we owe it to the state to have two strong parties. We owe it yes, to the state to have good um, debate about an issue. And I've talked with people like there is no good debate right now because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's only one side. And here we go. We're, we've decided this. Well, we want to talk about it. We want to debate about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're, we're going this way. And uh, me running is a result of this isn't going well. And we need um, strong advocacy on either side of a question. And will that lead to more compromise? Yeah. And it probably leads to better bipartisan results. Of, of whatever bill, whatever um, posture people in the state and are taking. That was one of the things that Christine Drazen and the Republicans in the House did this last session and the session before, like the last three sessions, I think, was use kind of obscure tactics to force the Democrats to come to the table and actually have a conversation about things, whether that was the walkout, which is kind of the famous one, or just making every bill be read out loud, mm-hmm. uh, which ground everything to a halt. Um, I think there was one other one that's slipping my mind that, of things that, that she specifically did that uh, f- put such a, a 
pressure on the Democratic agenda that they had really had no choice but to come to the table and negotiate mm-hmm. despite being in the super minority. So I, right. I think that was a, a fantastic thing. And unfortunately, when you win, uh, you won't get to serve with her because she'll be governor at the time. Okay. So <laughs> 3D chess Christine, they all call yes. 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 I um uh, I I mentioned God bless any listeners who are longtime, longtime listeners a, a couple of seconds ago. And I actually it kind of reminded me of a question I wanted to ask. You you yourself also have a, a podcast that I understand is uh, uh, of a religious ilk. I, I was wondering what does that, what does your faith do? What does your work in in any kind of a, a faith-based organization or mm-hmm. you know, with individuals in that realm, how does that kind of inform your desire to run and desire to serve? Mm, no, that's a great question. Um, yeah, uh, Scott Reevely and I host a the City on a Hill podcast, which is trying to get at some of these political things uh, within a Christian context and piece apart um, or pull apart Christianity and politics and go, hey, keep these things distinct. And and our desire in that in that podcast would be to have people informed by their Christianity first, not by their politics first, because um, that's that's been a problem. <laughs> it turns out, <laughs> turns out, turns out there's lots of topics. There's lots of episodes. Um, but yeah, it, it's it goes a, a long way in informing even why I want to do this at all. Like the uh, my faith informs me that hey, you're supposed to love your neighbor. That's not just a oh, that sounds good. So so I I keep saying it. Um, that's that's a huge part of what it means to belong to Jesus, really. Um, so love your neighbor. That's where I get the stewardship language. That's where I get the um, you should care about the city you live in. You should care about the community you live in, and. The care doesn't just sit in your mind and you go, yeah, I, I care. No, care, care has action to it. Um, so, so a lot of the reason I have for wanting to serve at all is attached to, attached to my faith, attached to my Christianity. Now, aren't Portlanders specifically just a bunch of Satanist heathens? Like, wasn't this like <laughs> the least religious city in the country or something? Like, I thought I saw a poll sometime before I moved here that was sure. just like the, like the lowest level of church attendance. And I, I obviously like I don't get me wrong. I'll have an excuse to try to crack a joke, but I like I, I, <laughs> on a serious point. I, there, there is a um, you've you have been able to 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 kind of incorporate your faith into into the work that you do, into the mm-hmm. life that you lead, and now mm-hmm. into the race that you're running, mm-hmm. and have not you know faced any kind of you know. Portland heathen-y, you know, I, I, we can never vote for this person because mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he, he, he is a lover of Jesus and he is a, a follower of, uh, you know, of, of religion. Mm-hmm. It, was that a question? Yes. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> have, I, like, have you run into that? I have or, not. Yeah. No, I have not. I have not run into that yet. The, the day is still young, but <laughs> yeah, right, um, <laughs> I have not run into time. that and, and I'm ready for that. And, and also ready to have a conversation. Um, we've, I, I announced the race and, and just had people reaching out on Facebook or something. Hey, what's your view on this? Let's talk about it. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. let's not do the text game. Let's not do the talk on Facebook game. Um, I'm willing to, to talk about things and, and sure we may disagree about things, but that doesn't mean we need to be disagreeable. Um, and it's, I think one of the things I'm most excited about in running at all is that I get to meet neighbors and now I have a, I have an even better excuse to meet neighbors. Um, so it's not quite a bring it on thing, but I, I'm excited to meet people and see where they're coming from and um, know that I have no desire to be disagreeable in interacting and we can we can talk about things, which is, is cool. 
So one of the things I've been listening to your podcast. I don't know that I've listened to all of them. Sorry, but uh, I listened to all yours, Jim. Bird. <laughs> Jimbo, oh, come on! I've been, I've been, I've been going through the Path to Power, which is the biography of uh, Lyndon Johnson, and that is a long audiobook. So have you done Master of the Senate that's, yet? No, is oh, that's, that's the first. Sec- that's the second. All this is the first. One, yeah. This is the first one. It's all like a Robert thirty. Oh, good. Books, it's like yeah. a thirty-hour book, and there's like nine of them. But anyway, it's incredible. Uh, so I've been, I've been behind on my podcasting because I've been listening to this book on tape. Anyway. Um, but you had a really interesting point. So, you know, Eric and I went to Bible college together back a million years ago and we're really not that old folks. I I, I just want them to know. (laughs) I graduated in 2006, so it feels like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That was anyway, uh, you had a really interesting like series of episodes about the revolutionary war that I thought Mm. was fascinating because one of the things that we got taught in Bible college was the separation of church and state was, it was part of our Baptist heritage class. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, this was one of the things that you were taught at Bible school was separation that church and and state should be separate. And I had always thought the revolutionary war, at least just in my, in my mind was not, was, was in violation of, the commandment to obey the authority placed over you. Mm. I, th- I was like, this is, this seems to be like it wasn't really a Christian movement, but the Christian Puritan e- culture that we live in always kind of accepts that. And, you know, that's our beginning. And uh, so you're throughout that, the course of those podcasts kind of solidified and really kind of fleshed out what I had in my mind anyway, that, you know, a, if, if those people had, followed the bible they probably wouldn't have ever rebelled and we'd still be part of uh part of england mm-hmm. yeah so it just it's just very interesting and uh, well it's, it's super fascinating because it's so easy to just keep things simple and mm-hmm. there's that's such a complex story and there's mm-hmm. there's the loyalists and then the people that go we don't want any part of this we're gonna move to canada mm-hmm. yet you have all that stuff going on and there's there's not just one um uh one perspective of the american revolution and and i We've probably said it a hundred times on our podcast. Super thankful to live in America. Yes. Super thankful um, to belong to uh, this place. I forget and, if it was you or your co-host said, just because we benefit from something doesn't mean that it was mm-hmm. biblical or mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. to be done at the time. And so, no question that we all benefit from right. the Revolutionary War and the fact that America is separate from England. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it was the right thing to do at the time. Right. Right. Just kind of an interesting. Well, in the in the interesting take, the I, conflict there is is the Romans thirteen conflict, which of all the verses I've been talking about a lot the last two years is Romans thirteen. <laughs> uh, submit to submit to the governing authorities, mm-hmm. and that's that's the rub there. Well, well what about the American Revolution? Right. Uh, and you use that as a justification to go. Now I don't have to do anything now <laughs> because we didn't do it then. So now I don't like it, um, and. I've been saying, no, that that's still applicable. My, my faith says so because we listen to this book. Um, and also, because of the system we live in, I can go, you know what? I don't like the way the decisions have been going in the last two years. So, I can participate in the government. I can mm-hmm. run for office. Um, I can submit <laughs> to the governing authorities and then say, hey, I'd like to be part of the governing authority. That's kind of how I use the mask mandate is like, I will follow the authority, but I'll still complain about it. <laughs> and I'll still make every effort to make to change the policy, but as long as it is the policy, I'll mm-hmm. I'll submit. Romans thirteen was like the prequel to millions of Yelp reviews about just complaining, <laughs> angry, whatever. <laughs> it's like I can't believe this person said this. <laughs> well, I had I had someone when I was fighting with the Multnomah County Republicans uh, almost a year ago. Wow, 
uh, they someone made the comment. He's like, "Oh, I'll bet in the Revolutionary War you would have been on the side of King, you know, King George." And I, I thought about it and it's like. I'm not sure. I don't like. I know you're using that as an insult that I wouldn't have been on the side of George Washington, the Patriots. But uh, I don't like. Just I, I, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision in real time. Right. You know, I'm, I'm glad I get to look back from however many and just benefit. Years. Yeah, and just benefit, <laughs> and we can speculate about whether or not it was a good thing to do or whether it was biblical or not. But at the same time, just be like, oh well, it's here. This mm-hmm. is it. So, so that's that's interesting. I've always and I say this as a uh, as an individual who was confirmed into the Catholic Church, who grew up going to church every Sunday, uh, but who is an I don't consider myself particularly of faith. Uh, I like I certainly I couldn't I couldn't quote Bible verses with y'all. I don't know. Uh, you know, I know the words to many of the hymns of Catholic uh, songs, but I, I also mess up the Nicene Creed because they changed it a couple of years ago and I still just know the old version. So that's it. We'll figure that out another time. But it's interesting that you guys bring up the American Revolution because I've always had a uh, a belief, I guess a somewhat latent belief, again, as a person who is not particularly, I'm not an atheist or anything, but like I'm not, I, I don't go to church every Sunday. Um, but I've always had a, a belief that the, that the American Revolution was at least in some part of the divine. I, there was some amount of a divine intervention to get that collection of that collection of people. I, man, I tried to avoid men, but it, you know, it, it was, you know, primarily men at the time, uh, to together on, on the same earth, on the same part of the earth mm. at the same period in history with the same set of ideas of wanting liberty and individualism and freedom and willing in, in large part to to risk their own lives and for a lot you know a lot of the folks that fought in the revolutionary war to actually give their lives for the idea of we need to have a country founded by reason and debate and democracy mm. and ideas rather than a just pretty much every other country was just had some some monarchic leader theocratic leader kind of something like that and you know a bunch of guys got together in philadelphia in 1775 and we're just like you know what this is maybe uh you know maybe there's a better way we can kind of argue about this and i it um it, it led to the led to what i the both of you guys are doing now you guys are both running for i'm just sitting here drinking my cocktail but i you know <laughs> you guys are actually both have skin in the game you know the roosevelt man in the arena kind of thing mm. but um that's that's interesting. I now I've you've you've sold me, and I listeners. I hope uh, Eric has sold you as well. I got to go back and listen to these episodes of your podcast and talk about the Revolutionary War. And was it was it was it biblical? Was it appropriate? And it's just kind of kind of get the answers here. Mm-hmm. We've got the answers in a whole different podcast. So I would I would caveat that to say that throughout history, God has used sinful behavior and sinful people to to the glory of of him and to the benefit of society. And I, I don't think that just because I, I think it's, it's okay to say, yes, there, there was a divine hand in the, the founding fathers and these extraordinary men all in the same place at the same time with the same ideas to build something. Because I think that on the whole, America has been a benefit to the world to, you know, basically any way you mm-hmm. you slice it you know america is america's existence has benefited the world and so despite this one act that i think i just thought it was very interesting to talk about may or may not have been sinful ends up being 
a very positive result for the entire world when it comes to quality of life or freedom mm. or all these other things. So it doesn't need to be either or. It can be both. It yeah. can be. So, oh, but now I wonder, and this is all, this is a whole separate. We started off at HD 37 and this now is fantastic. I'm we're just rabbit trailing. It's great. Yeah, exactly. But, but I but, wanted to ask you about it on air. So <laughs> but, blame, blame me. But, but that, that is a utilitarian argument. And I, I wonder like, People who are not fans, which is definitely not, I love country music, but people who are not fans always kind of dunk on country music for being really sad. And there's a part of me that wonders, is it worth it for Keith Urban to go through like several really bad breakups and, you know, see all these people go like abuse drugs and whatever to create art that is undeniably engaging and good and, you know, you sell out shows and all kinds of good stuff. Is it worth it for these individuals to go through heartbreak and loss and you know torture themselves with substance abuse and, and whatever and on the one hand it's just like well if not you know if kanye west weren't kind of a crazy person we wouldn't have like <laughs> the dropout a college dropout which is like like that's a really great album and like right. there's a lot of people whose lives are better because they got to listen to college dropout uh, like a whole bunch of times but is it worth it for somebody to go through something like that and now it's i, I feel like that's a, a little bit the argument that you're making is a Something may have been sinful. Something may have been objectively wrong or objectively not in accordance with um, biblical teachings or, or what we've come to understand. But there, but because there's benefit from it, it, it ends up being a, a net positive overall. And I wonder if just if if there's other things that to which that might be applied because that's a. Uh, I hate making the slippery slope argument, but it does mm. kind of end up being a slippery slope. It's just like, well, this part is wrong, but it led to good stuff, so it, men- it mm. ends up being. Well, I think when you're looking at history, I don't think it matters quite as much. You know, like the the thing happened, you can debate whether or not it was a good thing or ended up being a good thing or contributed to good things, but that it happened. You know, you can't really debate whether or not it happened. So, well, I if you're a Trump supporter, you could. <laughs> so we well, we'd open that can of worms. Oof. Well, in, in my oof. view, my view of theology says, yeah, there's definitely brokenness in the world all around us. It's easy to see that. Um, but everything is not utterly broken. Mm-hmm. So there's necessarily uh, the, the theological term is common grace. Common grace is occurring in the world um, because God is still good and things happen despite brokenness. Um, so one that, that allows us to look back at history and go, this good thing happened despite something that may have been broken. Hmm. Um, and also I can engage now despite things being broken and, mm-hmm. and the, the ability to engage has the possibility of actually enacting good. Um, I can actually do something and there's something that uh, can result from it that's beneficial. So that, that allows for complexity, that allows for engagement, that allows for um, something's worth doing, something's worth um, trying to steward. So Nice. Bring like it back. It. Bring <laughs> it like all it. the way back. I, like I love it. it. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So so let me ask uh, on, uh, I don't even know, whatever, January 3rd or whenever, uh, whenever inauguration is next year, uh, Representative, and I... E-step. 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 Yep. Representative E-step is, is, is sworn in as the, the duly elected official to represent the people of House District 37. What's, uh, what's thing one on the docket? What's, you know, what's something you're going to go to bat for? What's something you're looking to do? Who are the folks in Salem you're looking to try to like make friends with and build relationships mm-hmm. with to, to, to get things moving on down the line? What, uh, what do we got? I would say 
try to make friends with everyone in Salem (laughs) for sure. Um, and I, I want to engage the things that probably everyone is looking at and going, why isn't this fixed? Um, one of those is we have neighbors that live on the streets right now and it's, Mm -hmm. it's growing. It's not shrinking. It's growing. Um, how can we engage that? I, I think that should be one of the priorities of the legislature until it's figured out. Evaluate it. Money's going this direction. Is this, is this money helping? Yes, no. What, what programs are actually working? Um, let's, let's funnel the money where the programs are working, not where they're not working. Um, that's, that's the big one. I would love to see, um, schools be transparent institutions. Parents want, uh, to be able to speak to schools. And I, just thinking about, I got four kids at home and thinking about, um, delegating authority to a school and saying, Hey, you have, uh, full-time work level responsibility parenting this kid alongside me. Um, if I don't get a two-way street with that communication, I'm going to be really frustrated. And I hear, I hear a lot of frustrated parents yeah. and in, engaging that and saying, Hey, this, this, um, institutions are an important, important part of what it means to be a citizen because institutions form you, they create who you are, they change you. Um, and if, if these institutions are going to change our kids, um, you want to be able to see what's the plan? Where's the direction? Where's, where's the intended end? Um, so transparent institutions with, um, with schools and then ramping up public safety as well. Uh, one of the primary purposes of government is public justice. That's why there's justice, justice systems and one funding those appropriately. I was just listening to, uh, an Oregon podcast about, um, I think they were interviewing one of the, uh, Portland commissioners and he says, we don't have enough police officers to respond to the calls we're getting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's a failure of government. This is, that's one of the primary things the government does. So, um, emphasizing the appropriate funding, um, that should also be a transparent institution for sure, because it has such a, a large role in society. And then, Encouraging that if you have a bunch of elected leaders, um, uh, what's the word? If a bunch of elected leaders just downplaying uh, police, downplaying that aspect of government, it's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so if if you're an elected leader, um, emphasizing the things that government should do and, and expecting them to do it excellently, um, that's that's the kind of posture I would take in. Cool. One of the statistics I like to cite is that Willamette Week put an article out last summer and in the 12 months between, <clears throat> I think, June 2020 and June 2021, one in 1,000 black residents of Portland were victims of homicide, were killed mm-hmm. in the streets. One in 1,000, 0.1%. And there is basically no response to that. We, you know, we're going to tear down the whole country, burn everything to the ground over George Floyd being killed by a police officer. And by no means is that an acceptable thing for a police officer to do. We did a whole episode on it. And then a couple months later, for an entire year, black people are getting killed in the streets who are just as dead as George Floyd. And part of the reason is lack of police. I mean, homicides Mm. have gone through the roof in the city of Portland, specifically in Portland. That's where I have my statistics from. And a lot of that is is lack of police. It's amazing how the fallout from the riots and all the unrest and the failure of government and the failure of leadership within the Portland metro area has resulted in harm, death, destruction coming to the black community, which 
you know, we're going to turn up the volume on all our wokeness and we're all going to put, you know, our pronouns in our bio and we're all going to say a prayer to the Native Americans before we start our meetings. But black people are dying on the streets and you can't, they're signaling that they are just for this community and, and trying to be these, uh, I, I hate to say the word woke, but that seems to be the thing that dis- uh, describes them the best. But they're trying to support these communities, or at least they're saying they're supporting these communities, and then their actions are the exact opposite. And I would very much like to see someone such as yourself get in power and mm. start uh, start supporting our, our, not even supporting the police department, but prioritizing health and safety and mm. public service and, and those sorts of things. So... One prioritizing the protection of people who have dignity and worth and value. Yeah. The, those are neighbors. Yes. That, the one in a thousand, those are neighbors mm-hmm. that have died. And that's un- unacceptable. Yeah. Agreed. That's another good word. Neighbors. I'm going to take that away from this guy. You've, you've said that several times so far tonight, it, it referring to, in this case, uh, black individuals in the city of Portland who have been shot and killed earlier at individuals who are homeless or houseless or however you'd like to define that. But that's at the end of the day, that's a, it's a true story that that's, mm-hmm. these are all our neighbors and we're trying to, you know, if we want a better Portland, we want a better Portland for everybody. Mm-hmm. Better Westland in, in your case. Oregon. Better Oregon. <laughs> yeah. We, we all want that. Yeah, exactly. So you were at the, uh, the Lincoln day dinner a couple mm-hmm. days ago. Yeah. How'd that go? It, <laughs> it, it went really. It went well. It went well. I'm, I'm laughing because that was my uh, first kind of political fundraiser thing, and Leslie and Leslie, my wife, were, and I were sitting there, and um, Senator Kennermer was the MC. He said, "All right, if you're a candidate, come on up. You got one minute." And Leslie looked at me and said, I, "That means you." <laughs> like, oh shoot! <laughs> I need a speech right now. So I, I should have expected that, but um, I didn't expect that, and so it was a little—it was a surprise, but it was good, and it was—it was good to meet people. And I've been in those situations before where somebody's like, "Hey, come up and say something." And I was like, "Oh, well, okay." I mean, I'm glad you, know, riff, you asked. Riff, yeah. riff for a little bit. <laughs> Needless um, to say, I got home and opened up a note, and all right, right we're just start start making some notes so we know how to do this in the future. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, uh, the. The last run-in I had with the Proud Boys was at a Clackamas County event. I think at that same venue, um, they have they're working on infiltrating the Clackamas County GOP, mm. and I have been I don't know I don't live in Clackamas County, so I don't see them much. But uh, had some had some interesting conversations. I'll tell you about after the, <laughs> okay. the podcast. Um, Tune in next time, listeners. No, we're not. That's not going Jimbo on Jimbo getting Sorry, almost guys. beat up by the Proud Boys. <laughs> Threatens. It was, yeah, it was threatened. It was threatened. Anyway, so uh, campaign-wise, what are, what are your plans for the next, uh, what do we got today? This is February, so what? seven months? Can I ask, uh, have you drawn a primary opponent? Is there somebody else that you're running against in the Republican primary? I've not seen any. Nope. Okay. It's just me right now. All right, Which, so let's leave it that way. That sounds great. <laughs> there we go. Knock wood. Uh, not that you would not, I'm sure, mop the floor with somebody in a primary because you're very adept and you've now, you know, spoken at a Lincoln Day dinner. And you're ready to go. Everything. And I've been on the finally, Rational Republican podcast. You know. so that's I, we've not had anybody else. I anybody else who's in a primary in a house seat this cycle. I don't think we've ever had anybody in a primary in a house seat. I'd have to think about it, but 
I don't think so. Yeah, this is I. Th- this is a first. Look at we're breaking ground today. All over. I the feel place. distinguished. <laughs> I, well, I, distinguished gentleman. Yes. Um, what? Yeah. So I. What? What's the? What's the? What's it look like between now and November? What? You know. How, how are you going to win this thing? Yeah. So. As James knows, campaigning is raising money and meeting voters. Uh, the goal is to have more people vote for you than the other person at the end of the day. Um, so Guys, I think he solved it. That's that's what we got to do. You we go. got to get more voters. Solve for X. Yeah, right. <laughs> James is like, oh, shoot. Is that what I'm supposed to this do? This is what like I did wrong. Oh, no. Uh, so, so Sorry. We're, carry on. It's all good. So, so we've started that. Um, we're We're planning on knocking on doors, meeting neighbors, attending events. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I get an excuse to meet people, which is just fantastic. So uh, we're, we're planning on walking, walking the neighborhoods and seeing how many doors we, doors we can knock on before election day. My plan was to knock on every door in my district when I ran for 36. Uh, and then COVID happened in <laughs> March, right in the middle of my... Uh, yeah, so I was going to spend all summer knocking doors and then that kind of probably a, didn't happen it yeah. did not happen I, I was like hmm, this is a fairly democratic district i'm pretty sure nobody here wants me knocking on their door exactly we're gonna do exactly. more harm than good so anyway oh goodness gracious more power to you that's that's a the, the door knocking is a fun one so enjoy that i did that with you <laughs> one time for like two hours in in hd 36 and it's just it's a slog it's it's a great way to end up meeting folks but like you you just have to have the mindset of like I'm really excited to go out and do this because I, you know, it was raining that day, and it's just like you just you gotta gotta. It's Oregon. Gotta get hype. It's it's always it's, it's raining. Always that's raining. true. Yeah, right. That's the truth. <laughs> well, it's like see, I kind of enjoyed it because you do get to talk to people and have mm-hmm. different experiences and different conversations, and you know, a lot of people will just take your literature and okay, thanks, see you later. Mm-hmm. Um, but every once in a while, when you when you get someone to actually interact with you, um, and you can you can reach out and talk to people who probably disagree with you and that's Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that i've done throughout my political life i guess is seeking out people who disagree with us with me um not necessarily on this podcast we get a lot of republicans on dr lisa we did we did have a couple but um just seeking out those conversations and you you rented a lot of that you know knocking doors Mm because you get you get everybody right so uh good luck to you (laughs) <laughs> well we're normally like so optimistic and like now here's the thing or whatever and it's just like well i hope that's fun. Fine. no no you, i think hope that I think works out be, for you i think you'll do great i think you do great i didn't mean to be a a, a, a downer no um, it, it is a, i mean a, to, to your point from earlier it's a it's a way to meet your neighbors you mm-hmm. can look at it as campaigning or you can look at it as meeting your neighbors and a lot of you know we'll go and ask our neighbors for an egg because we have something to bake or something you know whatever or just you know our actually our neighbor and i say this i for our listeners at when we only have listeners today because I, I was a i was a jerk and we didn't put the youtube stuff up um but our neighbors right across in the the duplex across from us my wife had my Valentine's Day gift delivered a couple of days ago, and some guy came up on the porch and stole it. What? And we're just like, are you serious? And then the neighbor was happy just Valentine's like, Day. <laughs> yeah, right, happy Valentine's Day to me. And uh, but, but the neighbor was just like, did you guys have a package? And we're like, yes. And she was like, okay, I saw the guy do it. I was on a work call. I said, hang on, I'll be right back. Actually came out, confronted the guy, and was just like, is that your package? And he was just like, yeah, it's mine. Tell these people that I came by and picked it up. And she was like, like 
no, that's their package. You need to put that down. And he straight up shoved her. He actually what? shoved our neighbor, whose uh, whose name I did not know until we met her and she told us this story. And I and that's one of those things where it's just like I didn't I wouldn't have known this person from Adam in a in a lineup of any five Portlanders, even though she lives nine feet from me. I mean, I'm looking into their kitchen as I speak right now. <laughs> I but she was willing to to like stop her job, get off of her phone call, come out and confront somebody and be assaulted for me for her neighbor because that's that's what neighbors do for each Your other. Your neighbor is awesome. I she is. That's, that's awesome. I I, yeah. I hope she moves to Westland soon and she can go vote for you and you can go meet her too. But <laughs> I you know I guess this can be my positive spin. Jim and I were just like, oh well good luck with the block one. That's not what I <laughs> but like you you get a chance to go out and meet your neighbors and you get I mean in some instances, they're willing to get assaulted for you, even if they don't know who you are. Just the fact that you live right next to them. And so that's this is you and you get to go hear their ideas. And right. hopefully they hopefully they end up voting for you. Well, and that's key getting to what are the members of your district concerned about? Like that mm-hmm. matters. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're going to be a representative for them, uh, I want to know what people care about. I want to know. I have some pretty good ideas what they care about, um, but there's going to be a lot of nuance. So it's no, we actually care about. X, which is a little bit different than you thought. Okay, I want to know that. That's that's helpful. I was one of the things that I on my block walks ended up talking to a guy about gun control, and on one hand, he did not Trump trust Trump as far as he could throw him, and on the other hand, he wanted all gun legislation to be handled at the federal government. I was like, do you mm. not see what's like <laughs> a, a to B here? Like <laughs> you want this Trump who you hate and do not trust at all controlling all of your guns. Okay. I mean, <laughs> good luck. Great. All right. Anyway, we are getting about to the end of the podcast. So one of the things we like to do at the end of the podcast, and we did give you a heads up. He commented that we, a lot of times, five, not, five seconds, folks. <laughs> we did not we, with representative Patrick. Sorry yeah, about that. Patrick sorry, Sheehan. Mr. Sheehan. Um, one of the things we like to ask our guests is uh, who their favorite Republican is. If you have one, I'll, I'll go modern day rather than go the original and Lincoln or something like that. Um, I'll say Senator Ben Sass. Mm. I'm a, I'm a fan of that guy and um, watching him just stand. And I mean, he's given a few speeches on the Senate floor um, when many, especially in his party did not agree with him and just that courage and that, that willingness um, to do the right thing. Even if it's, if it's not going to be applauded, I, I like that a lot. Um, I'm encouraged by that. And he also wrote probably my favorite parenting book. Hmm. Um, it, he wrote a book called The Vanishing American Adult. I don't think he marketed it as a parenting book, but I read it as a parenting book. Um, I, it's it's just super helpful, and I'd, I'd recommend it to readers or listeners as well. Um, just a, a really good – how should we ponder how we're going to um, – train our kids to think and, and act in this world um, because it's changing quickly and you gotta yeah you gotta respond accordingly so again i got four kids at home and like this this book is awesome good <laughs> cool. stuff good so, stuff wasn't ben sass your your favorite republican or i'm sure i you said say, jack kemp probably if i know me someone said 
Uh, somebody ben has Sass. said Ben Someone's, Sass, and I, it gives me license. My two favorite Ben Sass facts. First off, he taught at the University of Texas, which is my alma mater. Go mm. Longhorns. Always, always going to be a good dude. But the second cool thing is he actually, he goes back to Nebraska and he drives Uber on weekends. Yeah. And I, you were talking about the same thing about it, it, having a, a way to have a conversation with your neighbor. Yep. And if it, he gets to go and like listen to Lil Nas X because a 19 year old <laughs> requested or whatever and gets to get drunk in his back seat, but he just gets to say, what do you think of the job that the federal government mm-hmm. is doing? And probably nine times out of 10, the person doesn't know that he is a United States Senator. And so they're just going to give their unfiltered opinion. He's just going to sit there and learn and feel and hear what his neighbors think. And I like, if I, I say this as somebody who did drive Uber for, you know, six months, something like that, there is no better way to get a handle on just uh, a quick snippet into the lives of, you know, a- any average everyday American than giving them a ride somewhere. That's a that's a really great way to do constituent outreach and, you know, voter engagement, and everything like that. So I I appreciate your uh, your thoughts of Ben Sass. Go horns. All right. Well, with that, Eric, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. And listeners, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.